Welcome back to season three of the Sex Life Unleashed podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen DeWitt, and this season, we're going to be doing a deep dive on what it takes to remove the taboo that's been there for too long. We're going to strive to normalize these conversations and seek out those places where these conversations can be so helpful and transformative. We're going to rethink kink and everything that comes along with it. Let's go. Welcome back to the Sex Life Unleashed podcast, where we come at you every second Tuesday answering all your questions and from time to time having some special guests join us. This week I'm going to be jumping in and answering the questions that you brought me. And if you have your own personal questions and you want to work with me one-on-one, click on the link below. I'm always here to make sure that your sex life is unleashed. Let's start with our first question. So can people with vaginas have anal orgasms? Hmm. So whenever I just get a question, there's like so many layers that I can answer this one through. So the very simple answer is yes. Orgasms are typically located or generated from stimulation from areas between our legs, but it doesn't always have to be the case. So there are people that experience orgasms from different types of stimulation. There's nipple gasms from nipple stimulation. There's abgasms. I'm not sure if you've seen this on social media, but I've seen it in like really fit women with abs will like write something about like going to get going to the gym to get my abgasms. And I'm like, what? How does that work? So each and every person has a different way to orgasm and how they orgasm, how often they orgasm, what kind of stimulation they need to orgasm. And what do they need afterwards? Sometimes it's like multiple orgasms. Sometimes it's you need a pause or a break. Sometimes there's ejaculation. There's lots of different things that can be happening, but it doesn't always have to look like the same thing. But can people with vaginas have anal orgasms? The answer is yes. It's not for everybody. Anal sex is not, or anal stimulation is not for everybody. And it doesn't have to be. It's whatever works for you. You know, I know people who are like, that is the most amazing thing. And these are people who have vaginas and they're like, I would rather have anal sex than vaginal sex. And that's cool too. Like you do you, whatever it works for you and whatever works for your partner. But definitely is something that you can enjoy. And people can experience different types of orgasms with different types of stimulation. And there are studies, this was always interesting. In school, I remember I read a study about people that had experienced paralysis at some point in their life. So an accident or something. So they lost feeling from like the waist down, which obviously impacts one's ability to orgasm if your orgasms are generated through stimulation for what's between your legs. So what these people were able to do is relocate their erogenous zones and have the ability to achieve orgasms from stimulation in other places of their body. Like I think there was one was like somebody's armpit. One was like their like a particular area on their back and they were able to experience orgasms. So yes, and orgasms are, you know, unique to each and every person. And just because someone can enjoy an orgasm through anal stimulation doesn't mean that everyone can or should. So it's your body, enjoy it, have fun with it. All right. So hope that covers that one. This is interesting. How many times are, uh, this person right? how many times are normal sex during the week? And I think what this person is trying to say is 
How many times is it normal to have sex during the week? If you've listened to me at all, you know there is no normal. If you know me, you know that I don't fit into what is normal. But there really isn't any kind of set regular thing that says this is what you should be doing or this is what you shouldn't be doing as far as number of times you have sex. Now, I also thought it was interesting is like during the week, like what about the weekends? Do you not have sex during the week? And or do you have all the sex on the weekend? I don't know. But it only matters to you of like what works. Listen, there's some weeks that you're just not going to feel like having sex. And that's completely okay. Somewhere along the way, we've been taught that more is better. More orgasms, more time we're having sex, the longer we're having sex, the bigger penises are, the bigger butts are. Like there's all these like metrics of what it is and what it's supposed to be. And then we like talk to people and then we judge ourselves or maybe people judge us. And it's like, I'm just like, who gives a shit? If it works for you and if it works for your partner, that's amazing. There isn't a right way. There's no study that's been done or doctors that's going to be like, this is the number of times that you have to have sex. This is the number of times that, you know, you need to be, you know, connecting with your partner sexually. That is for you and your partner to create independently. And I also encourage you to let that evolve. It's going to change. It's going to change with the amount of stress you're under. It's going to change with the partner that you're with. It's going to change maybe in the time of the month or the time of the year. If you got really stressful times of year, year end or tax season or big client stuff going on, you may not be like, hey, I'm in that place where I want to have sex. So there is no normal when it comes to having sex. Just enjoy yourself. That's the most important thing. Okay. Oh, this one is interesting. My partner cheated oral intercourse on me with two of his exes while we were in a committed relationship. He begged and pleaded and I agreed to stay with him. The first time when it happened, he said it was only emotional. There wasn't any physical. But the second time I caught him, I knew it was physical and likely the first time was physical too. Okay. And then this person goes on to say, I re retaliated by cheating, making out, petting, outer course, with five men, but nothing beyond that. I am not proud, but I'm happy that I got it out of my system. Are we maybe just cut for an open relationship? Hmm. Interesting question. Okay, so your partner had oral sex with two of his exes, and then you retaliated by making out petting with five men. And then your question is, are we just cut for an open relationship? The, the the answer that comes to me right away is I don't know. And there's room for exploration and conversation and communication with your partner. What I always like to say is if you do have a primary partnership, so you and your partner, and you're thinking about opening up the relationship or even inviting a third person to join you or anything else like that, or going to swingers clubs or sex clubs or anything else like that, is that primary partnership with you and your partner has to be rock solid. If there is like any kind of weirdness or things that aren't working in your relationship and you think you're going to solve it by opening up your relationship, it is not going to work. I have never seen it work out that people are like, yeah, our, our relationship, we're really struggling in our relationship. So now I'm going to go have sex with other people and it's going to get better. It just doesn't work that way. Now, I don't know, maybe after, you know, your partner did what they did and you did what you did, you're like, cool. It's out of your system and you guys are rock solid and 
it's fine. Then that's sure. That's a conversation to have, but just because your partner cheated on you and then you cheated kind of on them is not an indicator that it's like, Oh, we need to open up our relationship and that's going to solve all our problems. It rarely happens that way. So hope that's helpful. Okay. I have another question. It says tips for ass play on people with penises. Tips for ass play on people with penises. All right. So I'm going to break this down in two different parts because there's like ass play. I get a lot of questions where people like, hey, I want to enjoy anal sex. How do I start anal sex? Like there's all these things around anal sex as far as safety, as far as hygiene, as far as like pleasure, as far as pain. How do we go about doing this? So I'm going to break it down really, really simple, really basics. There's great books. One of my friends, Al Jansen, has a book called Anal Sex for Beginners, I think it is. Just looking. Yeah, Anal Sex, oh, anal sex Basics, The Beginner's Guide to Maximizing Anal Pleasure for Every Body. All right, so you can go on Amazon and check that out. Carla is awesome. She is a, a, a huge community legend in Toronto, has owned the Good For Her bookstore for a very long period of time and gave me a start. It was the first place when I finished my doctorate, I was like, oh, I want to start speaking at events and hosting things and stuff like that. And I would go to Good For Her and I'd host these events and people would come and sometimes people wouldn't come, right? It'd be like one person or four people. So I got lots of love. Anyways, I digress. Back to Asplay. So as with anything, you're going to start off slowly and you're going to start off gently. You know, your butt and asplay is not something to, you, like you watch porn, that's not how it works. I promise you. I promise you. That's not how it works. You want to think about and have communication with your partner about what it actually, what they actually want, what they're actually comfortable with. What kind of stimulation? Is it like rimming? So with your tongue, is it like fingers? Is it a toy? Is it a penis? Like what are they comfortable with? And the bigger the object, the slower you want to go and you want to build up. So the sphincters in your ass need to relax and need to become comfortable. And so you could do that by starting slowly and inserting smaller things and working up to bigger things. And there's lots of breathing and lots of relaxation, you know, involved, especially if you're exploring things the first time and you want to think about hygiene, you can look at condoms, safer sex, all those other kind of things are really important. So do a deep dive. I'm not going to do a deep dive on anal today, but there are great resources out there. Now, the second part of the question is ass play for people with penises. So again, I'm going to look like high level and then, and then get into it. So sometimes people who own penises, there's a stigma that they have around ass play. Like I'm gay if I like my ass played with or something in my ass. That cannot be further from the truth. Your body part does not have an orientation Orientation is something that comes from your head and your heart and loving someone and being attracted to someone. It is not a body part that enjoys stimulation. So your ass is the second highest concentration of pleasurable nerve endings in your entire body. So for some people, that's like, hey, that's super fun. That's super enjoyable. Let's go do that. And for some people, it's like, heck no, that's weird. That's where I poop out of. I don't want any of that. So wherever you are in that process is great. But sometimes there's a stigma about like people who have penises and be like, oh, that's that's gay. I was actually, oh my goodness. So a little bit of an aside slash rant. I was speaking on a panel once. Uh, and this was 
years ago, pre-COVID, and some lovely woman in the audience put up her hand and said, hey, you know, my male partner enjoys like anal play, and I'm not sure if I'm really comfortable with it. I'm not sure what that means. And someone on the panel was like, oh, if he likes that, then then I think he's gay. And I was just like, what? Normally, I'm uh, quite supportive of people that are sitting on a panel, and I'm quite open-minded to different thoughts and different points of view. But this level of ignorance, I think decimated would be an accurate word that I did to my fellow panelists, but not something I'm proud of, but I'm just like, sometimes when people spout from places of ignorance and narrow-mindedness and misinformation, miseducation, I just can't stand for it as a sex educator and a sexual empowerment enthusiast. Anyways, tips for asking people with penises. So listen, you can always stimulate your partner's ass and their penis at the same time. That can be super fun. That can be super hot as well. And if you want to go even deeper, no pun intended, you can start exploring prostate massage. So a prostate massage is usually with done with a finger. So you can put a condom on your finger. You can wear gloves, use lots of lube, any kind of ass play, lube, 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 and more lube, not spit, lube. Find out the lube that works for you, your partner, and enjoy lube. But then it's like after a finger is inserted is be able to like massage the prostate. It is a different level of pleasure. It is a different level of orgasm. And again, it's not for everybody. And the last thing that I'll always say, the most important thing that you can actually do is have a conversation with your partner, right? Take all the stuff that I shared with you and maybe make some notes and then talk to your partner because guess who knows your partner's ass better than anyone in the world? They do. They know what they're comfortable with. They can have conversations with you. So always, always, always like do research, talk to me, ask those questions. I'm always happy to help you. But talk to them, sit down, find out what works for them. You know, they may want you to spank them. They may want you to be really soft and really gentle. They may want you to, I don't know, there's like, like millions and millions of, of different ways that emulating your partner and enjoying that connection with them can look and only you and them can actually talk about that and figure out what works for the both of you. I hope that's helpful. All right. So this is an interesting question. This is, I put up, what questions do you have about orgasms? I think I put that up on like Tuesday. So this person wrote, when are you giving me one again? And then a little angel emoji. Now I get that they said this in jest, but I actually wanted to bring it up because one, I think it's funny. I laughed out loud when I got this. I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to talk about that. And I was like, Actually, yes, I am, because it's really important to talk about orgasms. And the key word in this question is, you know, when are you giving me one again? The The question is giving. So I often have, and this person is female, women talking to me about difficulty orgasming and, and not, and being able to orgasm when they're on their own and not being able to orgasm with their partner. 
and women looking for partners who can, they've never had an orgasm. They're like, oh, I want to find a partner that can give me an orgasm. And they're trying to make this work and they're trying to figure it out. And they'll do courses. They'll do all this other kind of stuff, like trying to break the code of having an orgasm. Two things on that level. One is you don't need to have an orgasm to have amazing sex. We've been conditioned to think that orgasms are the be all and end all, like scoring the goal, you know, touchdown all that other kind of stuff is like, that's the end of it. No, it doesn't have to be. It can be, but there's people who don't orgasm and have amazing sex lives. The other thing about that is your partner doesn't give you an orgasm. You share your orgasm with your partner. It's your orgasm. You own it. I don't have it here. And then I give, I give, I give you an orgasm. No, you allow that you share that with your partner you're in a really good place and you're really relaxed it's not about finding someone to give you an orgasm or someone to make you orgasm no the the orgasm and this is something that's you know really important is to understand your body and explore your body and and understand what pleasure looks like understand what arousal looks like and feels like and understand what orgasm feels like for you I actually had a, a client call this week with with someone that that had a bunch of questions and they booked some time with me. And, and one of them was like, you know, I talked to my friends about orgasms and they're like, oh my God, yes, it's this like mind blowing, like crazy like thing. And they're like, mine isn't. And I was like, great, you know, share with me what, what it is. And they, they went on to, ex, you know, explain it's like, you know, it feels good. There's this big tension buildup. There's this big release. And then after, you know, I'm just like at peace and, and really calm. I was like, great. That's, that's your orgasm. It's not anybody else's orgasm, nor does it have to be anybody else's orgasm. So that's what I'll say about that. Okay. So next question is, is it possible to be non-monogamous couple or open relationship couple where one partner is interested in an emotional and sexual relationship, but the other one only wants a romantic emotional relationship. That is one partner wants to have intercourse with others, but the other partner wants to restrict themselves to outer course only. Is that possible? Yes, anything is possible. It's just based on communication, checking in with each other and creating what works for you. This question kind of oscillates in the realm of designer relationships, like actually picking something that works for you and works for your partner. And that doesn't have to work for anybody else, but there's no prescription of what you, you're supposed to do in a relationship. There's no prescription for what has a relationship work. There is the, what I would call the statistically normative of what people do and how they have sex and how they create their relationships, but in no way, shape or form does that have to be what you do, right? There is like the more prescriptive, you know, you date, get married, all that other kind of stuff, but you know, 50% of people or whatever study you're going to read, you know, they end in divorce. And then about 25% of the people who stay together probably shouldn't be together because it's unhealthy and it's toxic and it doesn't serve them. So you know, it, it's about figuring out what works for you. Now, what it does take, if you are navigating a relationship that is different from the prescriptive kind of script that we've been given about dating and relationships and, and sex, is it takes more work. Why? Because it's new. It's not just what your parents did, your grandparents did, your great grandparents did. So as you do, and if you are exploring these parts of your relationship with your partner have structures that actually support that 
And what that looks like is have scheduled time to actually sit down and talk about your sex life with your partner. What's working, what's not working. If you are, you know, involving other people, you want to be really, really clear with each other about boundaries of what that actually looks like on a physical level, boundaries on an emotional level, focusing on time for the two of you, but it's having those communication, those structures, a clear understanding for both of you, or else it's not going to work. There's a cool resource called Relationship Anarchy Smorgasbord that can serve as a starting point for discussing specifics in designer relationships. I love resources. These days, everything is amazing online. There's so many things. I can always tell when people ask questions from different parts of the world in how they refer to me. So some people will be like, hey, and ask me the question. Some people are like, Dr. DeWitt, this person said, respected sir. I don't think I've ever been called a respected sir before. Respected sir, how would we separate romantic and sexual feelings and platonic emotional feelings? How do we know what is what? And then also does sexual awareness slash experience increase with the number of partners or actual number of times with the same partner? Huh. Okay, so there's two questions here. So let's take the first one. Respected sir, how would we separate romantic sexual feelings and platonic emotional feelings? How do we know what is what? Just ask some questions to yourself to, to understand better, right? Like sexual feelings, like if you think about that person, are you interested in having sex with them? Do you get aroused when you think about being physical with them? Do you fantasize about having sex with them? Or imagine what it would be like. Do you get hard if you own a penis? Do you get wet if you own a vulva? That would be a good place to, to start as far as sexual feelings. And then romantic, it's like, do you long for that person? Do you love that person? Are you looking forward to the next time you see that person? Are you thinking about, oh my God, how to make that person's life life and yours work together. Like those kind of romantic butterflies in your stomach, like love things is a good place to, to start and just do some writing. I'm a big fan of writing. You probably heard me say it before, but like, right, this is you developing your sexual self-awareness, your romantic awareness about where you're at with this person. And it's okay not to feel that towards someone. Even sometimes in relationships, we're with someone and we lose that feeling. And sometimes it takes a lot to get that back and we got to do work on it, but you don't, I get questions all the time about like, you know, my partner's driving me nuts or I'm not attracted to my partner. Or I've lost that. And I, I don't know what to do. Listen, life throws lots of different things at us. And it's, it's not always going to be easy for us to connect with our partner, feel aroused or attracted or want to even spend time with our partner. Sometimes it's like, I need a break. I'm going on vacation. Like I'm just going to go to a hotel or an Airbnb for a weekend or something just to have some peace. It's okay. And then platonic emotional feelings. So you probably have platonic people in your life, right? That you're, you're friends with and just think like, oh, do I think about the, the, you know, my friends that I, you know, hang out with and it's platonic. Do I feel the same way about this person that I'm, I'm, I'm asking the question about that I'm curious about? And if it's different, well, maybe there's something else there to, to explore with that person. Uh, our last question, which is part two of this person's question. Also, does sexual awareness slash experiences increase with the number of partners or actual number of times with the same partner? So I'll say yes and yes. Um, 
we're all on a journey. We're all learning. We're all evolving. Sexually, it's funny. Sometimes people come to me and be like, oh, Stephen, you're a sexologist. You've had lots of sex. All this. You must be like an expert. I'm like, no. I'm like, each of us is an expert in their own lives. And I'm always learning. And plus, I'd be a bit of a dick if I was like, I know everything about you or I'm like amazing or any of that kind of stuff. Like, no. Um, we're We're always in a place of growing and we're always in a place of learning. So if you are with one person and, and you're having the same partner, you're learning, you're growing, you're understanding, again, yourself, you're understanding your partner. Great. That's beautiful. That's where you are. Thumbs up. And if you have, you know, enjoyed multiple partners or multiple relationships and multiple sexual partners, that's cool too. You learn about yourself in that process. You learn about communicating. You learn about what, how different people get turned on, what their likes are, what their dislikes are, you know, their sexual path to where they are now. Any kind of just traumatic, life-changing or amazing things that happen in their life that help shape this beautiful partner that you're having sex with. So it's like six of one half dozen of the other. There's no right way. There's no wrong way to do it. It's just your way to do it. And that brings this episode to an end. If you're interested in sending me your questions, click on the link below. And if you want to work with me one-on-one and really do a deep dive in what's going on in your sex life and transform the things that aren't working, there's a link down below in the show notes as well. This week, we covered so many topics, and I'm so excited and fascinated about how you are doing in your sex life and the questions you have and where you're at, what's going on. So let me know, because remember, the more we understand about ourselves and each other, the less we have to fear, the more love is here. So here's to happy days and living a sex life unleashed.